The Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and excited color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's the Four Horsemen. And we are live. Uh, we want to welcome everybody to the Three Horsemen podcast. It's the the Three Stooges. Um, two and a half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two and a half uh, horsemen. But uh, we are glad you are joining us today. And I, I want to say a couple things. Number one is if you're watching this, uh, be sure to like our page, and that way, if you haven't already, and um, so that you can get updates and when we're going live and things of that nature. I've invited a lot of you. Uh, from our church and so um, again if you're if you're watching this go and like our page and uh, share it and also we're going to have the comments hopefully the comments are working today so if you want to comment in uh, I'll be paying attention to that so you can be a part of the discussion as well but we want to discuss today uh, kind of piggyback off of last week when we talked about is uh, online church church and we had a really good discussion about that but today I want to uh, talk about excuses and excuses people make about not being a part of a local body of believers. And I want to begin with scripture and then I'll kind of want to hit on why it is important. Um, but the scripture that everybody goes to is Hebrews ten twenty five, where it says, or 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together at it as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so that's kind of the scripture reference that we always point to when it comes to why it's important to be a part of the local body of believers. But the first excuse that a lot of people give, and this was from a, a website and a source that I got, was that uh, that church isn't important to our walk as Christians. That that's that I can worship on my own. And we discussed some of that last week, but I want to just hit on some key points that we talked about last week. But uh, why is being a part of a local body of believers actually engaging in church, not just attending church? Why is it so important for your walk as a believer? Let's start there. I had a pastor, uh, you know, share a story, and I guess it's probably been shared many, many times over the years, but he was talking about a campfire and how the wood is, is, is burning. It's all together, and, I mean, it's got a huge flame. He said, but if you take, reach down and you take one of the embers out, now the ember can be red hot uh, on fire. He said, but if you take that and set it to the side away from the fire, it'll cool down and die out very, very quickly. And I see that as being a huge benefit of being a part of a church, engaging in church, like you said, not just attending, but engaging in a church where uh, if if you walk away from that, um, you will die out. Mm -hmm. um, we, I think we said it last week, uh, Christianity was never meant to be done in isolation by yourself or separate from the church. It's always within the context of a body of believers, even though you see some occasions where they're, uh, you know, praying on their own or, you know, whatever it may be, 
but it's always within the context of a local body of believers being gathered together. We encourage one another. We bear one another's burdens. We pray for one another. We're singing together. We're devoting ourselves to the, the teaching of God's Word together. Um, all of those things help to uh, not only encourage us, uh, but it challenges us. It helps us in our uh, sac- sanctification uh, of becoming more like Jesus. Um, and and rarely, and, and this is a thing, rarely do I hear people who make that type of argument. When I ask them specifics, so... You're saying that I don't need to be a part of a church to be a follower of Jesus, but how are you following Jesus apart from the church? That's what I want to know. That's a good question. How are you following Jesus? Are you singing, you know, songs uh, to him? Are you praying? Are you worshiping truly? Are you um, doing what the scriptures call us to do in carrying one another bird, uh, another's burdens and all those types of things? I would say the majority of the time the answer would be, no. Right. And, and so I don't think that you can fulfill the Christian life uh, separate from the church. You can be a nominal believer, but I don't think you can fulfill what Christ has called you to right. separate from the church. So the, the question was, why should someone be in a local church? Why is it important to why be a important? part of the local church? Um, I mean, I, I would echo what Ray said there. I mean, the only thing I would really say in addition to that is just basically summarizing what he said of uh you can't obey the bible and not be a member of a local church it's not possible for you to do it you cannot do what jesus has commanded you to do and uh you know i'm going to love the lord my god with all my heart soul mind and strength by not doing what he said like how or not being where his he's being worshiped at or not participating I, that doesn't make any sense and I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, but I'm not going to do the one another's as Scripture commands me because those happen in the context of a local church. And that's people can say, well, I got friends that I do stuff with or I'm in a small group at the house or whatever. And and I get that, but there there's so much that we are commanded to do uh, that, you know, I, I mean, even deeper than that, what makes you think that you even have the right to decide what you're going to do. You're bought with a price. You're not your own, as Paul says. Right. So mm-hmm. you don't you don't have the option of not being a part of a local church if Jesus is your Lord because God said so. Right. I mean, really, that's at the simplest level, it's it's just disobedience is what it comes you down to. You were talking about loving Christ. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Right, right. And, and so that indicates automatically that if you're not following his commands, you do not really love him the way that he's called you to, to love him. Yeah, I mean, so that's a great point. I would encourage anybody with that mentality, go read First John. If you say that you're in the light and you walk in darkness, then you're a liar. I mean, that that's what First John says. You know, if anyone continues sinning, uh, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. You know, you're, you're if you're trying to make excuses of, of mere Christianity, of how little of a Christian can I be and still be <laughs> saved, you're probably just not even saved. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, for me, on the positive note, yeah, it is a command from God, obviously. But on the positive note, I mean, people can hear that and say, okay, well, I, I'm going to go to church because God told me to, and that's enough. That should be enough. But I, for me personally, like, I love our people. Mm-hmm. Like, I love our church. I mean, I 
it is a family. Like mm-hmm. I truly miss them. And it's not just, not just because I'm the pastor, but man, I love our people. I love being around them. I love sharing one another's burdens. I love praying with each other. I love to see each person's gift in action. You know, as you said last week, you know, everybody has a gift in first Corinthians 12 speaks on the different gifts that people have. And, but to see how people can use their gifts in different contexts uh, for the mission of the church is an incredible thing to watch. And the, you know, the Super Bowl was this past Sunday. And when it comes to the church, I always love to talk football because it's the, the same thing. You know, Matthew Stafford won. He's the winning quarterback of the Super Bowl. But if you take away his offensive line, who are all big fat guys, who their job is to block, they have a different skill set than he does. Um, if they were gone, they would have gotten destroyed. Yeah, he'd get wrecked. He would get yeah. wrecked if he didn't have anybody to catch the ball, which is a different skill set than Matthew Stafford. They would get wrecked. And so I think that the whole point is to be in the game, not just being a cheerleader on the sideline, but to actually be in the game and to understand that you have a gift. If you are a follower of Jesus, he has given you a gift to use within the context of the body. And that goes to 1 Corinthians 12. You're you're vital. You're important to the mission of the body. And so it, it, the thing that bugs me the most is not so much about people not being there, but it's, it's, and so many preachers talk about potential. Oh, you're, I hate seeing people waste their gifts on things of the world, on things of themselves when, oh my goodness, look what you could bring to the table Mm -hmm. of our church. And and, and it could be the simplest things. And so that's the part of it that I, I, I want people to see their potential within the framework of the body um, because that's the part that I love to see. I love to see that operation. So, um, yeah, God's commanded it, but it's also vital. I think about the early church, um, especially when persecution began to hit the early church. Um, and I think that's something that we can all we could discuss too, but... You know, people who have this view wouldn't be getting persecuted. <laughs> they're not going to be persecuted. Right. They're not going to be a part of this. If church was illegal, they're not going to be there. You know? Well, it's like I said, it's low, lowest common denominator. Yeah. What's the least that I have to do for Christ? That's that's, if that's your mentality, then guess what? It, if anything hard, it don't even have to be persecution. Life is just going to happen. <laughs> and we're going to talk about I that. I mean, that, that's the symptom of, some, of the seed that's planted in shallow soil. The sun comes out and burns it up because it doesn't have deep roots. And so, I mean, again, that mentality of like, what's the least that I can do for Christ and not go to hell when I die? That's the kind of a bargain that a lost person tries to make with God. Yep. That's that's not a, a person who's submitting to Jesus. The Lord doesn't think that way. Right. So that, that church isn't important. Again, we just talked about it. Uh, at You know, we kind of eliminated that excuse that church is important because it's important to Jesus. <laughs> he died for the church. Um, he, the mission goes through the church. You're not meant to do it alone. It's a, it is a team sport. And so, um, so church is important. So the second thing that, uh, I've seen with people and people have made the comments and we're going to talk about what to look for in a solid church in just a minute. But one of the things that you hear is, well, I haven't found a church that I like. Okay. I haven't found a church that I like, so therefore that's why I I don't regularly go. So let's hit on that one a second. I haven't found a church that I like. First of all, I would say that statement is a very consumeristic Mm -hmm. statement. Um, If you're looking for a church um, that you like, 
everything's going to be the way you want it to be in that moment. But I can assure you it will never stay exactly the way you want it to be. Right. Um, I've had people say before, man, I loved this. I love this. I love this. But I didn't like this one little thing right here. Right. And so that's that's just uh, that's not my church because because I didn't like that. And I'm like, well, what if you liked everything else, including that, but you didn't like the you know one different thing? How, right. You know how would that matter? I've had people say, well, you know, I, I love the preaching, I love the teaching, I love this that, but I don't like the music. I mean, the the, the music's just not me. And, and I get there is an an aspect of worship where. You, you connect through music, so I'm not discounting that. But at the same time, you say, "Well, I love everything about this church, but this one little thing." Um, good luck finding that church, because right. what you're looking for is a perfect church, um, which there is none. And if there were, it'd be ruined as soon as you step foot inside the door, yeah. uh, because it would have been an empty building, and that that would have been the only way. Uh, that it could be free of issues necessarily, but um, we we've got to um, we've got to stop looking at it in a way in which what can I get, and look at it in a different way of what can I give. Now that's going to vary because if a lost person walks into your church, they're not looking for what they can give. That's just the reality. They're they're not walking into your church thinking, okay, how can I serve? In this capacity, how can I serve in this church? How can I do this? It's going to be based off of whatever connects to them. I would say basically the Holy Spirit is the only one who's going to connect with them in the way that they need to be connected with. And that would be the only reason why they would stay in the church is because they've been connected to in some way like that most of the time. Right. Um, so there's many different issues with that statement and with that thought process. Yeah. Um, if somebody wants to come hang out with me, and the first thing they want to do is start dissing my wife. We're not going to get along very good. <laughs> I mean, that's I'm, I'm just being real. Like, that's, that's if you want to be like, you know, yeah, your girl, she's she's all right, but I'm going to get out of my house. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this is all, this relationship is not going to work. But the, I mean, but that's that's how people do at the church. Is right. you know, you know, Jesus, your your bride, she's all right, but she's she, she kind of ugly, you know. <laughs> Uh, but me and Jesus are cool. It's like, no, you, trust me, you're not. You're not cool. Like it's he died okay. for this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, um, if you knew what he had to do, uh, of how he felt about his bride, um, you'd be a little more careful uh, with the way you said things. But, but I mean, all, all kidding aside, uh, you know, they haven't found a church that they like. I think one of the biggest problems that a lot of people don't consider is, is that's a. Find, trying to find a church that I like assumes that I don't have to change. Mm, that's some, a good point. Some of the things that, that I love one. about church are things that I thought were lame. When I, like when I was a kid, I thought hymns were like the lamest thing ever. <laughs> like I was like, this music is not cool. Right. Uh, I don't like this style of music. I would be fine if I never heard an organ again. In he my tells life. me I can't sleep with my girlfriend. What? <laughs> you know. Well, I didn't have that problem, but um, I just married the first girl that liked me. But. Um, <laughs> But uh, I figured I wasn't going to get a second chance, so I just smart man. Um, yeah, it's worked out. It's worked out good. But uh, you know, I, but I can remember being a kid, being a teenager, and all that, and just thinking this is lame, right? You know what I mean? And uh, and now I think about hymns, and like there, some of those are just so dear to me, to my heart. Like mm -hmm. they, they just they bless me, and I don't think it's because 
I'm saved now, but I think it's because I've changed. Right. Um, the, the way that I, that I feel about the gospel has changed. You know, I was saved at a very young age, but the way that I feel about it is a lot different. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, the way that, the way that it, that it touches my heart when I hear about grace and I hear about Christ and what he did for me, it affects me much differently than it used to. And so I can sit in a service that has a different style or whatever, but if that same grace is being preached, it still stirs my heart mm -hmm. to hear it. Yep. And um, it's ironic because it, a lot of a lot of people ask us about this in our church because, as I've said before, like our church is generally a, a very young church in age, but we only do congregational singing with mm -hmm. hymns. Um, and and some people are like, you know, y'all do that, and then you preach for like. 45 minutes to an hour and take the Lord's Supper. Like there, there's nothing cool about anything that we're doing. Right. But these young people like it. And why? It's not necessarily because that's their preference. And most of them are not at home during the week of being like, man, this Mighty Fortress is a banger, you know, and just like, <laughs> like turning it up, you know, and all their friends are like, you're listening to choral music, you know, um, that's not, that's not how it is. But what it is, 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 is they went because they were looking for the right things. Like we're going to talk, talk about, and they changed. Right. So the church didn't change for them. They changed and became more a part of the church. Right. And then now, like a lot of people wonder, like, how do you, like, you know, a decade ago, we were doing the worship wars of, you know, we'll have the contemporary service for the younger people and the traditional service for the older people. But biblically, if we're going to follow Titus 2, we've got to mix the generations together. So we're going to do a blended service and that'll just fix everything. Well, it doesn't fix everything because what you're saying is, is none of you have to change. We'll change. The mm -hmm. church will change for you instead of saying, no, you need to change. Uh, maybe if you talk to that 80 year old of why that song touched their heart, you might have a different understanding of it. And all of a sudden you might not have a big problem singing it on Sunday morning. Right. And the same, same way as the other way, maybe the older person talks to the younger one. And when they hear about what that does in their heart, they might say, well, you know, that might not be my style, but, but uh, praise God, if that's helping you doing mm -hmm. that. And then the people change instead of the church changing. And that's a big problem we've had is pragmatic ministry models change for people instead of the people being changed by the Holy Spirit. Well, let me ask you, and I'll take a, I'll take a different take on this. How many, how many churches are in the Haywood Association? I think we have 62. 62. How many is We've got 53 in the uh, Carolina Baptist Association. All right. Hendersonville area. All right. So, and then that's over 100, what, 115? Then in Buncombe, there's over 100. I don't know the exact number these days. So right there's 230 churches, roughly. Let's just just Baptists. Just Southern Baptists. Baptists, yeah. So you're telling me you've been to every one of them? Like, even if you take a consumer approach, I'm, I'm pretty confident that there's <laughs> something out there that will fit your, your preference. Even I mean, I agree. I've with been you. a pastor here for six years, and I still haven't met like half the pastors in our association. Right. Yeah. So, so my point is, 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 are you even pursuing? Mm -hmm. It's easy to say, well, I haven't found a church. Well, are you going? Well, I mean, if they, if they don't have a live stream, how how, how could they be any good? So <laughs> well, I'll even, just shop around online first. It's twenty twenty two. It is true, but but is there even a pursuit? Because most people that I've I, and I have heard people say this. Well, I haven't I haven't found a church that. Uh, is something that I like, and you both hit on it perfectly. But I, in my mind, I'm sitting here. So you've gone to every single church. You might come to Westwood and be like, "I don't like this, or I don't like that, or I don't like the music." Or, well, I guarantee you, there's a church somewhere. There's that many churches that meets what you're looking for. Even if we take a consumer approach, there's something out there. 
Yeah. And so that is there even I don't know is there even still a pursuit of finding a local body to engage mm-hmm. with, not just attend? And so I think part of it though, I think part of the issue is is what some people mean when they say that. I just can't find a church that's a good fit for me is I can't find a church that uh that doesn't make me uncomfortable. Mm. I think I think that's really what it is. If they preach something that made me feel kind of icky or the people didn't really seem as welcoming as I want, or some of the songs we were singing kind of made me feel a little uncomfortable. Um, And to be fair, I mean, some of that is a good reason to not go to a church. I've been in services with things that made me uncomfortable because they were, you know, (laughs) paganism. Non-biblical. Yeah. Yeah, And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to sit here for this. You know, that's happened before. Um, But, you know, and when we talk about, you know, things that you're looking for, you know, if you're looking for a church that you can come in and you immediately feel totally welcome and fully integrated. I mean, like one of my pet peeves and like, I know some of y'all listening to this aren't going to like it, but y'all know how I am. If you listen to this podcast to so just deal with it. <laughs> but this whole, this whole ministry model of, you know, you can belong before you believe that's not biblical. Like that, that is not scriptural. So what you're saying is I can be a fully integrated member of this Christian community without believing in Jesus Christ. Hating God. Being an enemy of God, according to Scripture. Man, that, Adam's, that was the most Calvinist thing you ever said. Uh, I'm like, he like knocked, knocked me off my guard there. I mean, it's just quoting Paul, but It's still. a counterfactual. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, that whole mentality of, yeah, you, you can just walk right in the door and just jump right in with us, and, and it's fine. And it's like, well, no, we have some things in common here. That you don't have in common with us. So if you feel like an outsider or if you feel a little uncomfortable or you feel like you can't fully be involved, uh, that's why we have things like church membership so that you understand what we're about and we are on the same page. And then uh, I'm not saying we need to be hateful to visitors or anything like that. I mean, certainly not. But what I'm saying is, is if you're a first time visitor as a church and you don't feel like they rolled out the red carpet for you, um, deal with it. Like, like yeah. you're, you're not a celebrity. Well, you know? well and that, and you're, goes... you're not part of the family, and and I don't mean that in a bad way. Right. You're walking into a a group of believers. If you're a non-believer, you're walking into a family of believers, people who have surrendered their heart to Christ, they've repented of their sins, and now they're living life together in a community of faith. You're coming in as a non-believer you're not going to feel a part of the family. Yeah, you might feel you're going welcome. To, you're going to visit the in-laws for the first time. Absolutely. It's yeah. not going to be comfortable. Yeah, you're you're, you're you're feeling, you might feel welcomed, and they may love you and invite you and all those kinds of things, but you're not going to feel the same way as you would if you were a believer and you were a part of that family. So a lot of people come in one time and expect to feel like they're a part of the group. I'm just, I'm a part of the family and that's just not the case. Let let me hit, because that's my next point is the other excuse that I hear from people. And it kind of plays different ways is that they had a bad experience in church and they didn't feel welcome. So did I. Okay. Yeah. So they had a bad experience. Jesus, by the way. Yes. Bad experience in church and they didn't feel welcome. So let's head on that bad. And let's, let's talk about, I don't want to dismiss the bad experiences. So let's let's talk about the actual Christian who, and I know people right now who had actual bad experiences with justified, and that weren't welcomed or not, you know, 
their feelings are justified, I should say. So let's address that. And I, I'm going to say it's an excuse, but let's let's address that. So yeah. bad experiences didn't feel welcome. I'll, I'll give you a personal experience. Go for it. Even as a preacher of the gospel, I was invited to preach at this one particular church. I showed up. I always show up early. I want to get to know whoever I need to get to know and, and, and get where I need to be and figure everything out. So I'm there early. Um, I walk in. From the time I walked in to the time I left, no one in the church spoke to me, greeted me, announced their names or anything else. The only person who came up to me was, are you the preacher today? I said, yeah. He said, I'm supposed to give you this. And he handed me an envelope and walked away, which was, it was a, a check, well, that's you know, all honorarium. That's all that matters, yeah. right? <laughs> but that was it. You know, I and, and I left that morning, number one, going... <laughs> I'm not coming back here to preach because right. uh, the the spirit has departed. I mean, there was nothing, <laughs> there was nothing about that experience that I felt. Yes, <laughs> I, I I did not feel the spirit present in that church uh, to begin with, and then I thought to myself, my goodness, it's no wonder that you've only got 15 people in 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 the whole crowd here, because I am, you know, on the inside. You know, I'm an insider. I'm a I'm a follower of Jesus, and you didn't welcome me. And I'm the one that's preaching the word. That's for uh, no more. <laughs> <laughs> and so um I get it. I've been there, done that. My wife and I have attended churches in the past where we walked in and walked out and really just felt like we were not wanted. Nobody cared that we were there. And of course, as soon as we walked away that morning. That was the last time we really thought about that church. We right. we we were just gone, and so I get it. Um, so it, how do you overcome it? Well, it depends. Are are you a non-believer or, or are you a believer? So if you're a non-believer, you got to think about it like this: a non-believer um, is going to look at that and go, "Well, if this is what the church is, I don't want any part of it." Mm -hmm. Many of them are going to give up their search, even though there's something within them that's drawing them to this. Many of them are going to give up their search when they have those experiences. And and I understand yeah. where they're coming from. But if you're a believer, you need to understand that, you know, just because that one place uh, you had a bad experience in, in that moment, we understand that we're all sinners. We're, we're all a mess. And and Christ has forgiven us much, and so we have to understand that that one experience should not keep us from worshiping our Savior. Yeah. It, it shouldn't prevent us from moving on down the road and finding another church. Um, and, and even forgiving those people for being the way that they were, and some you know, depending on how they yeah. acted. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean. For one, I think you're right, and we do have to validate the experiences that happen. Man, I've heard some stories, mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't count how many mm -hmm. unbelievers I've talked to who have said, I actually did make an effort to go to a church and was open to talking to somebody, and somebody was hateful about something I was wearing or the way I looked or what kind of Bible I had or you know, just petty wickedness, honestly. And we do have to acknowledge when that happens, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Like you were sinned against and there's a good possibility that the person that did that is also not a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, 
and we're sorry. I mean, we even yeah, apologize I mean, for that. I mean, that. We're sorry that you dealt with that. That's the thing is, I mean, I've heard some stories in my own church of people who have joined our church and said this was like the fifth or sixth church that I visited, and they'll tell me about what their experiences were like in other places, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, you right. know. And I'm not saying that we're perfect in being welcome and all that. I mean, you know, there's ways that we can grow in doing that too. But um, that's also the reason why the the mega church model of hospitality, of the Disney Chick Fil A hospitality, that's also why those churches grow is because mm-hmm. hurt people actually will go there because mm-hmm. they feel like it's safe for them to check it out, especially in our part of the country. Um, that's why I've said again, almost everybody who's joined our church in recent years found us online. And the reason why is they want to see if it's a safe place. I I think it's important for a church to have website, no matter whether you're a small Mm -hmm. church nowadays, you can do your own pretty cheap and come up with a pretty good one, but give people an idea of what they're walking into because so many people are, uh, when they finally get up the courage and it does take courage. I mean, you gotta, you gotta give them respect for, for somebody to, to walk into a church where they don't know anybody there. I mean, it's intimidating for them to do that. Um, you know, if they're going to work that up and they walk in and the, and it ends up being crazy or they have a really negative experience, like, yeah, I can totally understand why that would deter you from wanting to continue to do that. And I do think you're right, Ray. I think if you're a believer, you have to decide that Jesus is worth you enduring wicked people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and dealing with sinners because guess what? Even if you're in a good church, you have to deal with sinners because we are going to sin against each other. Right. I have sinned against people in my church. They have sinned against me. We've had to confess that to each other and repent and ask for forgiveness, and those end up becoming some of my best friends because we have those hard conversations. Um, but you know, if you're wanting to go to a church where you're never going to get sinned against, that just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you don't need to necessarily put yourself in a situation where the church is just so toxic and unhealthy that you can't grow there at all, which unfortunately there are churches out there like that where, you know, it would be better for them to be closed than to be the bad witness that they are, you know, to Mm -hmm. the community. But, um, but yeah, for that person that's had a, had a bad experience or for the person who's an unbeliever, um, I would hope, you know, if, if somebody's listening to this and, and they're not a Christian, I would hope that you have somebody in your life that is a Christian that you find trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Somebody who you know has good intentions for you and loves you. And, and that, that would be where I would start is, Hey, where do you, where do you go to church at? Mm -hmm. Um, because I know you, I have a relationship with you and you know where I'm at, you know, I'm, I may not uh, believe this right now, but I'm willing to go with you and I'm willing to at least hear you out. If, you know, uh, it's a respectful situation and that kind of thing. That, to me, that would be the place to start yep. for a person like that Absolutely. Um, is reach out to somebody that you know. If you don't know somebody, um, one of the things you can do, and I've had people do it, is uh, call up churches or shoot them a message on Facebook or whatever and uh, just try to interact with the pastor. You know, we've had people messages that, hey, can we get coffee and just kind of talk about your church? Whatever. Before they even visit, of like, I just want to get a better idea of what, Mm-hmm. You guys were really like, um, because I can see online and see all that, but anybody can put up yeah. something cool online and then you go in and it's like, you know, here's your, here's your assigned snake for the service today <laughs> or whatever, you know? Um, 
So yeah, people. And the thing is, is you know, we joke about stuff like that. But imagine being imagine being an unbeliever that's moving to this area, mm-hmm. which our our population is uh, supposed to double in the next ten years in our city. Imagine moving here from the Midwest or somewhere where you've never met a Southern Baptist in your life. You don't know anything about that, except it has something to do with slavery. And so it's the devil. And you hear people joke about things like snake handling and stuff like that. I've met people that are like, you know, is is that really a thing here? We're like, well, no, it's more East Tennessee. I press into that. It's, like, it's more East Tennessee. You do it on the third Sunday is what I tell people. <laughs> Fifth Sunday. <laughs> the same Sunday we do communion. Um, but... But, you know, but the thing is, is like we joke about that because we know like around here, you yep. know, in Canton a few years ago, I think they still had some. But I think most of it's in in Tennessee now. Yeah. It's kind of moved west of here. And we joke about that. But I've met people that have mm-hmm. moved from bigger cities and stuff. And they're like, you know, what is your service like? Like what like what am I going to get in running the house? You know? Yeah. And the thing is, is we joke about that. I've been in services oh, yeah. where that was going on, yeah. you yeah. know, and for me, if I was an unbeliever, I would just be like, I have no, I don't understand what this has to do with God. No. And actually as a believer, I don't really understand what it no. has to do with God, but that's a different mm-hmm. conversation. <laughs> but I, I would say for me personally, I mean, our church went through a ton of trials for probably close to 30 years. And there was a lot of bad experience, church experience, there a lot of people were hurt um there are people even today that will not come to our church because of the hurt um and there's people in our community that won't come to our church because of the hurt and rightfully so i mean some of the stuff that they have told me um it breaks my heart you know it really breaks my heart and um but the thing that and then you both have hit on it you know the thing that's hard for me, and I've told multiple people this that have been in that boat that were hurt by the church, I, I've just asked them to trust me in the sense of our culture. I'm like, I, I just want you to come see that it is different. It's a different world. I mean, even our community now, I mean, I've been hearing a lot of things about, like we had a <laughs> we had a prison yard fence around our playground with keep out signs, and I found out that uh, some of the folks used to go over there and run people off the property during the middle of the week because a lot of kids, it's in the middle of a community. So people will go ride the bikes and they used to try to kick them out. And we tore the fence down and, you know, we, we're trying to make it more accessible to people to be like, hey, we are different. And, um, but the other side of that is I've also seen people that, and you hit on it, being in an unhealthy church, mm-hmm. that people have been in an unhealthy church for so long. That's all they're accustomed to. So when a church gets healthy and begins to thrive, they don't know what, wait, nobody's fighting. There's, well, I've got to have tension. I've got to, you know, even some of our folks, when I first got there after about a year, year and a half, I'm like, you guys need to go through like detox or something. Cause Mm -hmm. it was like every little thing they were ready to fight. And I'm like, we're not fighting. You know, this is not what we're doing. And so I do recognize the bad church experiences, but as you said, man, we're, as and I tell our people all the time, nobody in here is perfect. We're gonna screw. And if you are perfect, leave because we'll screw you up. That's what I tell our people. <laughs> but I said we worship a perfect Savior, and our eyes are completely on Him, and our focus is on Him, and everything that we do. And um, so, even for the folks who may listen to this, and I don't know that they would, who were hurt by our churches or even our churches, all of mm-hmm. our churches, go somewhere, be a part of another body somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know because. All the enemy is wanting to do, all the enemy wanted to do was to separate you from the body. Don't let him win. 
and and the body's bigger than just Westwood or Barberville or Oak Forest. It, it's bigger than that. So mm-hmm. try to find somewhere. And on the the welcome piece, I do think that's something that churches m- need to do. You know, to to be hospitable to people and to make people feel welcome. Um, it, I, it surprises me, like like what you were saying, Ray, about that. I I don't know. I've talked to several people recently who have had that exact same experience mm-hmm. yep. where they've, they've said, I went and visited a church. They weren't preaching, but just visiting. I went and visited a church. It was a small church. It was really obvious that I was a visitor. You know, we're not talking about even a hundred people. You know, yeah. You stand out 15, 20 people. Right. You can tell if a family shows up that's new or whatever of people talking about going and not one, one person, yep. not one speaking to them. And I, I mean, it's hard for me to understand I, I just I find it hard to believe other than the fact that I've heard it from so many people. But I'm just like, I mean, if you're listening to this, I mean, around around here, you know, uh, if you're if you're lar- if your church is larger than 50 to 100 people in Western North Carolina, you're a larger church. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about mega churches and all that. Those are the exceptions. The reality is probably around 100, uh, something like that is pretty normal for like a pretty healthy church yeah. uh, in this region. Um. If you're in a church that size, you can spot visitors. Mm-hmm. And like honestly, God help you if you see somebody walking in looking for a church and you don't at least say good morning to them or well, something. Like I, I just I don't I don't see how I could leave. Even now, we've got members and other pastors that will go and greet people, but I feel bad when I don't get the chance to talk to yes. somebody before they leave because we have visitors every week and a lot of them are on vacation or whatever. But I try to at least uh, speak to people and sometimes I get tied up in the conversation or whatever but I know somebody else is talking to him and I'm thankful for that but if I was in a smaller church where I was the only pastor and I saw a visitor walk out at the end and I didn't get to talk to him I, it would it would bother me yes. I think you the know? reason the reason is and I'm not I know we joke about this but deep and wide Andy Stanley's book deep and wide hits on this and one of the things he says in that book is we're not expecting it churches who don't greet people and welcome people they don't expect visitors right mm-hmm. so it, it makes it uncomfortable it makes it to a point to where like if somebody just walked up into your house you'd be like who are you i mean you talk to them but not in a friendly way so i think our churches especially small churches and this is something that i'm trying to get beat into our people's head is we need to expect visitors to come and you know th- there needs to be some steps and we'll get there in just a second with kids but with kids especially it's one thing for our families to come into our churches and know what to expect, know what the process is as far as childcare, how that works. Kids stay in the service. Do they have sermon notes, that type of thing. But if a visitor comes in and they don't know, you know, it's something else. And um, I will give some major props to (laughs) new spring from back in the day. Like they went the extra mile, especially if you had kids. I mean, we when we went to check in at Kid Spring, it, I mean, there was a kiosk there, and and even a small church can do something similar to this, and I've seen it done. But like when you typed in, "Is this your first time checking in?" You hit yes. As soon as you hit yes, a member from their team come walked you through the entire process. When we took the our daughter to the the kids room, she was a baby then. They introduced us to every single person in that room, talked about how they had their background checks, so forth and so on. They introduced us to everybody. When we came, they gave us a card of what they fed and when they were changed, all, in, all, of, all of this stuff. 
And then on Tuesday, my wife was called and was asked, you know, was everything okay? You know, did you feel comfortable? And even a small church, I've seen small churches smaller than ours do that very thing. They walk the families through the process. And so I think we have to be mindful. We have to be mindful of people coming that are visitors, but you have to expect it. And I don't think a lot of small churches expect it because they, they're in this routine that everybody knows what's going on. But when you have somebody new come in, they don't know what's going on, yeah. you know? And so I think that's, I'll give you another direction for that though. I think that many of these churches and, and including the ones that I've experienced this very same thing with, I think many of them have gone so long where they have uh, been self-consumed mm-hmm. that they automatically don't look out. They don't care if other people are added. They don't, it, it's almost, you, you commented earlier, you know, us four, no more. Mm-hmm. But it's because they've gone so long where, you know, this is our family. Uh, we, we've got our little thing going on here. Uh, we had a church split 20 years ago, and we're the ones who stayed. We had a church split 10 years ago. We're the ones who stayed. You know, bless God, we're going to be here till the day we die, and and, and mm-hmm. we're going to make sure it goes on, that the bills are paid, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they were the ones that started all the splits. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and, yeah. Eventually, you got to look in the mirror and wonder what the common denominator right, yeah. if, is. If, you if know? everybody else is wrong and terrible and every passion you've ever had is trash. <laughs> right. <laughs> They, they may not be the problem. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing. You know, churches, and it happens quickly. It really does happen quickly where a church can go from being an outward-minded church, an outreach-driven church, to an inward, uh, we, we're a family together, and we, we don't have room for anybody. That happens extremely quickly. Mm-hmm. Let pain come in. Let, let a, a division or a split come in. And then this little group of people just they hug in together and they're like, Oh, we're safe together and hunker down and, for heaven. Right. And, <laughs> and and if we let other people come in, then man, they, they might want control. They may want to serve and take our positions. They may want to do I mean, there's all kinds of things that run into your mind. So I think that many of them have this has been a road that they've been traveling down mm-hmm. for quite some time. Yep. And so now they're automatically suspect. Of people who walk in, right? It's automatically like, what are they going to do? What are they going to mess up? What are they going to? Well, you know, I think the thing too is people fear what they don't understand. Mm, That too, that's just human nature. We're afraid of what we don't understand. That's why people don't like Calvinism, for instance, um, because they think that it's something that it's not. (laughs) Um, But uh, but when it comes to church, like a visitor in the church, um. Who is this person, and why are they here, and what are their intentions? And if this person joins, are they? What are they going to do? Are they going to try to change something? Are they going to try to serve on the committee? Are they a secret agent that the pastor brought in here to <laughs> flip the church? Or you know, uh, there's and, and and to be fair, like I'm saying, that's actually human nature. That's mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that these are horrible people or something. That's just a normal thing. Yeah. Of, you know. Uh, I mean, you do that, you know, you're out at the restaurant and somebody walks in that looks different from everybody else there. And you're wondering, okay, who is this person about? Like, why, you know, what's going on with them? Um, We just, we fear what we don't understand. And so I think in a lot of churches, it's like, well, I know the people here. I know what the worship's going to be like. I know the pastor. I know the way that we do things around here. I don't know this person or what they're about or what their agenda is. And so I'm suspicious. 
Um, and I think that's a, that's a normal a normal attitude that people can have. But I think we have to realize biblically, you know, Israel had that same problem, which is the reason why the law talks a lot about sojourners and foreigners and and uh, strangers of, well, how do, how do you treat strangers and how do you treat foreigners and those that are mm-hmm. coming in that you don't know? Uh, the answer biblically is hospitality, mm-hmm. uh, that you're a friend of strangers and that when they come in, um, they find you to be a friendly person who assumes the best about them. But that's, uh, God had to command that because it wasn't normal. Right. And so our, our nature might be to be more skeptical of that, but um, but I think that's a way that all of all of us can improve. Honestly, I know I can improve mm-hmm. in that area of definitely putting ourselves out there when we see people and saying, "How how can I be a friend to this person and assume the best about them instead of just assuming that they're like some, you know, uh, secret you know atheist spy or something." Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me let's. I've got we've got four more, but I want to. We're going to combine two of them, so we'll try to hit on these quick. And I want to hit on this next one because I've heard it in different iterations. I want us to, I want to focus on one part. But one thing I've heard from people is once I have a family, then I'll engage in church. Okay, so then they're single, then they get married. Well, we're in the honeymoon stage. Uh, you know, we'll engage once we have kids. Then once they have kids, it's like different things. Well, we want to protect our kids. The viruses and they're sick, and and this is before COVID. And well, we want to do this and. Well, the kids are busy with school and they're, they're busy with, uh, you know, all of these different things. So, you know, it's hard for us to get there on Sunday mornings and on and on. And it's like they make their kids the excuse. And I wrote this down and y'all might not be aware of this, but of the five horsemen, there's five of us. <laughs> there are 22 kids represented. Amen. 22 kids. That's post-millennialism, right? <laughs> So my my question Ben's got half of them. So right. so one of the things that one of the things that drives me nuts with people, and I've heard this from a lot of different people, is they're like, it's just hard for us to get up in the mornings on Sunday mornings, and it's hard for us to, you know, the kids are. It's just hard. I I just can't. And I'm sitting there thinking, I you know, my daughter was in NICU. We didn't miss a Sunday. My wife did a couple just mm-hmm. because she was with. We did not miss church because it was important to us. It was important to our family. And even now, my girls, we haven't missed hardly at all. My girls love being at church and being a part of the body of believers. And so let's hit on that. Ben, I want you to talk about this because <laughs> you 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 bring the bus to church. So hit on that, that excuse so, that people make about kids. Well, it's hard and blah, blah, blah. Hit on it. So I have six kids. My oldest is 12. My youngest is four. So they're all little. My wife gets them ready and brings them to church by herself on Sunday mornings. So we actually drive separate because I get here early before Sunday school and oh, get things you. set up and all that. And then a lot of times after church, I have meetings and different things that are going on. So she basically runs the show single-handedly on Sunday mornings and has for years. Um, and uh, she'll be the first one to tell you you know, that she's not superwoman, that it's it's not easy. Sometimes it's stressful. Sometimes you get to Sunday school late. Sometimes you know, uh, the kids clothes aren't ready or, you know, they want to go roll around in the dirt five minutes before you get in the car or <laughs> mismatch. You clothes. Know, when you got little babies, you're always going to have a blowout when you're walking uh. out the door before you go to church. I mean, that happens all the time. So, I mean, we've been there and, uh, and it's challenging and, and churches have to give grace to parents, mm-hmm. right? That parent yep. that walks into the Sunday school class 15 minutes late. I, I tell them, I'm like, listen, better, better late than never. Like, 
I don't, you're not going to bother me. Here. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to bother. Same thing with service. Hey, I'm sorry we ran into some stuff. We came into service ha- halfway through preaching or whatever. Well, you know what? I'm I'm glad you're here. Right. Like I'm not offended by that. And we understand things happen, but um, I think preparation obviously helps. Um, if church is just kind of a you know, oops, I guess we better get up and go to church. Yeah, you're gonna have problems because it does That's take preparation. Yeah. Of uh, what are y'all gonna eat for breakfast? Do you have anything to wear? Um. You know, I mean, there were times, honestly, like like with babies are harder, right? Because mm-hmm. now mine are old enough; they can buckle their own seat belts, they can get themselves dressed. That makes it a lot easier. But especially like new parents or when you've got little ones in the house, um, go ahead and pack an extra pair of clothes. You know, I mean, I can give you all kinds of pro tips. <laughs> all right, pro tips: the, the 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 pee pads that they have for dogs. You can use those as a car seat liner when your kid blows it up. If your kid blows it up, you throw one of those in the car seat, buckle them in over top of them, and change them when you get to church. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, you can uh, you can do kind, kind of uh, tips like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, it, it comes down to what you're saying, Adam, of is it a priority? Yeah. Is it a rhythm in your life? If, if the average parent... Uh, treated church the way they did trying to get their kid ready for the school bus mm. at like six in the morning when Preach. nobody wants to get up. You can make that happen. And give them a, a, give them a backpack, give mm. them a lunch or whatever they need, make sure they got their homework. Yeah. So you can do preparation for that and be fine with that five days a week. But one day a week when you get to sleep in instead of six o'clock to like eight or nine o'clock, mm. you got to be at Sunday school and church. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. it, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be any different. It really comes down to, to it is the priority that you make mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, anybody that's listening to this any amount of time knows, you know, where we stand on it. And I know you guys agree with me about this, but, um, you want to know, everybody, well, how do we get teenagers to stay in church? Well, for one, bring them to church right. when they're kids. I can't make them. You know, I mean, it, that's if what you, I've heard. Too. Yeah. I can't. Yes, make, you um, can. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'd be like, you want gas in your car this week? You, be, you better go pray That's about right. it. Like, <laughs> my, my wife and I, we're, we're now in the, uh, in the empty nest uh, season of our life. Both of our boys are out of the house. One's on his own. The other one's in college. Um, but I can remember when both of them were, were young boys and, we, and, and me and my wife both became believers uh, very early in our 20s. I was 23. My wife was even younger than that uh, when we became believers. And so we had the, you know, these, these little boys at home and church became important to us. I mean, we became followers of Jesus and, and, and then, you know, it was, we're, we're going and we're going to be a part of what's going on there. We're going to serve if we can. And yeah, it's a struggle. We only had two. We didn't have the, the, the amount of children you had, but we had two, and it was still a struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my wife set up a – and kudos to our wives. Yeah. I mean, really, our our wives are lifesavers. Yeah. We thank you for who you are. You really are our partners in ministry in a different way, supporting us and our families and, no and caring for us. We're We're thankful for you. But my wife would, it was every Saturday evening, she's like, uh, well, when they got to the point where they could, boys, go get you, what you're going to wear tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Every Saturday, they would have to pull it out, put it in the living room, set it across a chair because she was going to get her ironing board out and, you know, everything was going to be ready. And the next morning, it, it's like she would get up early and do, you know, part of her routine. And then she would wake them up, but she had everything like lined up. Even now, 
just tell on myself a little bit. Even now on Saturday evenings, she my wife, you. my wife says, Ray, <laughs> go get your clothes every Saturday. Ray, go get your clothes. And, uh, I'll drag my feet a little bit every once in a while. She's like, if you want me to iron them, you'll go get your clothes. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my clothes. But the, the preparation end of that right. is extremely important. Um, but that preparation for most people happens all week long. Right. And it seems like all of a sudden when it comes to Sunday in church, that all falls apart. Right. So you, you've got kids that are going to school. You've got um, soccer practice after school. Mm-hmm. You've got band, whatever it may be. The, the night before you're going in there, you're packing clothes, you're packing snacks, you're packing a lunch. I mean, you're just going through all of these steps just so you can get them on the bus, get them to school, and they're you know prepared for band practice after school, whatever it is. Um, you're doing all that stuff. And I know many of these parents are doing that all week long. And then they don't come on Sunday morning, and I see them, and they they look at me and go, oh, you know, it's just a rough morning, and Mm -hmm. we we overslept, and the kids didn't want to get out of bed and all that stuff. Try that for soccer. (laughs) And you're like, well, yeah, I mean, I was a coach. Right. All the way up, even even Sorry, through coach, high school we're, sports, we're 15 minutes late to practice, yeah. and they forgot their cleats at the house, and, right. and they Abby, need a snack. Abby's giving you a shout out, so we, <laughs> we're giving you a shout out, Abby. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, they, but there's my, five people watching. It's all of our wives, right? <laughs> our our Hi, players. Mom. You're absolutely right. When I was a coach in, in in all sports, middle, high school sports, whatever it was, when I was a coach, if a kid showed up late, the whole team suffered. They, they were going to run together. They were going to do sprints, whatever it was that, that, that I wanted them to do because I wanted them to understand this is important. You signed up. You, Can you imagine you doing know. that for church? Be like, be like worship starts at 11, and you do a roll call. <laughs> run laps. Somebody, somebody's, somebody's not at church. We're not starting until they get here. <laughs> it's like y'all, y'all, everybody pick out your phone and call them. Yeah. Tell them they need to show up to church, and then you start service at like right. 1.30. Yeah. Oh, goodness. But see, I was establishing to them <laughs> That's how piercing. important it is because when, when you are not prepared, when you're late, you've let down other people. Mm-hmm. You right. know, if if you're late for for worship on Sunday morning and you're a nursery worker, mm. you know I I've had to get on nursery workers in the past. Look, I I can't have you showing up five minutes till twelve. I mean mm-hmm. till eleven. I need you here like twenty minutes before that because parents are already showing up, dropping their kids off, and and they're coming to an empty room. And so we need to establish the importance of all of those things. So we lead by example for one thing. We lead by example. We're, we're, we're there. We're prepared. We're doing everything. And then we're constantly, um, I know this pastor, that if people um, are not ready, he just starts the service whenever. I mean, it's scheduled for 11 o'clock, but they might not get started until 11.15 because the people who are doing the, the sound mm-hmm. are not there on time and this and that and this and the other. And, and he says nothing. He doesn't do anything about it. He hasn't established the importance of those things. Mm-hmm. And what we as parents especially need to do is we need to establish how important it is to our kids. Right. Mm-hmm. This is a part of our lives. This is who we are, and this is yeah, the you, God that we you know, serve. It should be he weird if you, if you skip a Sunday. Your whole family should just be like something's, yeah, like, this yeah, thing, something's right. off. Well, yeah. and, and, and the thing is, with an what we can't do is if we miss, you know, if we miss church, the whole, like, 
we want to be a part of who Jesus is, like Jesus, 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 Jesus. Because like I'm reading a book right now about uh, religion, you know, kind of we can make our relationship not a relationship, but make it like a religion. So with our kids, man, Jesus is worth my time. Right. Jesus right. is worth my time. Jesus is worth my worship. Like Jesus before anything else. Like right. Jesus needs to be the reason why I don't do other things, not other things than worship Jesus. And right. so I think if we model that for our children, and it's not to say that, you know, if they always go to, when you raise them in church, they'll always stay in church. Well, it's their own faith. But if you, if you put them on the person of Jesus, and their love for Jesus, and that He is worth my time and my worship, and being a part of this local body, that will stick with them. You know, the religious. You know, well, I've got to go to church today. Well, no, 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 that's not it. It's mm-hmm. we're we're going to glorify Jesus, and I think if we can model that with our kids from early age, I do think that that's what will stick. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, so, you know, don't don't let your kids and your busyness be your excuse because he is worth it. And and it needs to be a rhythm in your life because work is a rhythm in your life. School is a rhythm in the kid's life. Soccer practice is a rhythm in their life. Make church that rhythm, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, like you said, if it gets out of beat, well, something ain't right. You know, when we miss church or whatever. Well, that's like it's even, even when we go on vacation, we have a family that we visit all over the country. We have churches that we know when we're in town, that's where we're going to be at. Right. We find like-minded churches, and uh, and I try to build relationships with there. Well, there's a church in Kentucky that we visit when we go out there, and I text that pastor on a regular basis and get together with him and have a relationship with him. But you know, uh, you know, we we go there because I know that the preaching is going to be solid, that the worship is going to be solid, that my uh, it's going to be edifying. But it's one of those things where, again, no excuses. Right. Like, like all right, he's worth it. All right, kids, is there anything better that we could be doing on Sunday morning than mm-hmm. worshiping the one who who bought me? <laughs> you know, as Paul said, I'm not my own. I don't belong to myself. My time does not belong That's to me. And so, when he says I need to be somewhere and I need to be doing something, then I need to be somewhere and be doing something, right? Because I am not the boss of my own life. Yeah. Um. And and Americans don't like that. We don't understand what it's like to be under a king. We're anti-king as a society. But if you're a believer, you're in a kingdom with a king. And when the king says jump, you say how high. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's that's basically what it comes down to. So, mm-hmm. well, I don't really feel like going to church today. Okay, like you've been in the military. When you went to tell your drill sergeant, you know, I don't really feel like running that lap. You're about to run some laps. There's some wrath coming. <laughs> yeah. Now that's all good. And in the last two, the the two points I also had was like youth sports and stuff. And we won't hit on that because that's again, you know, Jesus is worth it. You know, if if you're saying their sports, youth sports on Sunday, and their softball tournaments or basketball tournaments, baseball tournaments are more important. And I and don't get me wrong, the occasional deal I get, but if it's a constant rhythm of missing church and you're putting more worth in a baseball field, basketball court, then you are Jesus. That is idolatry and repent. So, And then works in the same way. I do do want to mention something on that very, very briefly because I read this just a couple of days ago. Uh, One person did a study on this, and he said that only 2% out of all high school athletes go to the next level and play a sport. Well, my kid will be in that 2%. Yeah, yeah. 2%. Uh, your odds of your child going to college on a, a scholarship or otherwise to play a sport is extremely low. 
and there has been nothing that has shown that the people, the the athletes that uh, are a part of uh, these travel ball leagues and everything else, there's no real statistics that raise that rate up of their ability to go to college and play a sport because they're a part of that. Right. And so you you got to get that out of your mind. And by the way, I've been there, done that. We didn't travel on Sundays, but my, my son, he traveled a, a lot for soccer and then eventually football um, uh, on, on Saturdays and playing weekend games and all that kind of stuff. But we never, we told our team, we're not going to play games on Sunday morning. We've got worship, and that's what we're going to be doing because that's most important to Jesus us. Jesus is worth it. So, and, and we were all we were played on. The, he played on a team, but that was never a part of it because the coach realized that hey, we're, we're just not going to do that. Right. And so, you can uh, support your children in athletics yep. without doing that. And by the way, I'll tell most of you right now: if you don't know this, you, you're a parent of young kids. By the time you send them to all these AAU ball uh, uh, weekend travel leagues and everything else, you could have already paid for college by the time they graduate. So you'll thank me for that later. Ooh, uh, there's a pro tip. You, you can, there, that is a pro tip. We spent a ton of money on our son playing sports, even though we weren't traveling on Sundays. We still paid a ton of money for camps and all kinds of stuff. And, and by the time it was said and done, we could probably pay – for his college education. But he got a scholarship now. because you didn't play on Sunday. Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. See what obedience gets you. <laughs> Amen. So so you Ray saying you know 2% of these athletes are going to move on. Parent, just think about how much higher of a percentage your child has of dying and going to hell than mm. they do of becoming Ooh, a professional athlete. Preach. I mean Eternity Write is that hanging sermon up I mean, and we'll li- all li- preach li- it listen, to, listen to the statistic. You know, I mean, everybody's heard the numbers. Whoever you want to look at, 80, 90%, whatever kids leave the face when they go to, when they, you know, get out of high school. How much of that has to do with they just never even spent time under the word at mm-hmm. home? For one, dad wasn't teaching them at home. And then they're either going to some church that doesn't really preach the word or they're hardly in church. You know, the statistics don't tell you that, but. But it's just one of the it's one of those things where you th- you think about think about the odds, right? And we know it's not really statistic. You know, uh, the Lord has decided already. Um, but at the same time, you have a responsibility. Um, somebody else talked, but like o- Owen Strayan had this uh, quote. Is that what you're I looking was up? Getting ready to Dude, get... that that quote was fire. <laughs> read, like read that if you yeah, already pulled, I pulled it up. It up. I, I read that and I was like, I don't understand what any of those sports <laughs> words are. But I get the point. It was a good point. He said, um, what's his name? Owen Strayan. Strayan. He said, hey, man, if we can teach our sons two-gap Parcells-style 3-4 defense, a 2-5-2-1 soccer lineup, and the San Antonio Spurs motion offense in youth sports, we can teach our boys the hypostolic static union, <laughs> the definite atonement, angelology, and biblical headship. I need to learn what some of those words are. I was going to say, hey, we should have got somebody else to read that one. Cause he... <laughs> hey, man. But it's true, though. I mean, it is true. It, it again yes. goes to worth. It goes to worship. What are you worshiping? You know, what is it that you're worshiping? And I was going to ask you guys, and this is a technical, do we want to save the how to find a solid church until next week, or do we want to cover it now? 
You're the host. I say, I say go with it. Let's go with it. So let's let's jump there because I, I had COVID There's down. nine marks to a healthy church. <laughs> so I had COVID down, and, and, you know, COVID's one of those things now. What I would say, let's make a brief statement on the COVID thing, people who are still staying away because of COVID. Um, the thing I would say about it is, is there consistency? Meaning, like, if you're missing church because of COVID, are you missing work? Are you missing the store? Are you missing all that? So is there a consistency? If there is a consistency, then okay. You know, and I know there are people with true health issues out there. Um, but again, is there a consistency? Are you willing to risk going to Walmart? Are you willing to risk going to work? Are you willing to risk, but you're not willing to go and worship the one who is worthy of our worship? Is there a consistency? That's all I want to say about that. Do you want to add anything briefly to that? I wholeheartedly agree with consistency because uh, I have seen too many inconsistencies. Right. When I've seen you know church folks out in those places you mentioned, yeah. Uh, and, and even without mask and everything else, and uh, and and then to hear them, oh, you know, I'm just trying to stay away from people. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah. You're God's not people. Stay, you're yeah, staying, you're yeah. you're staying away from God's people. It, but but I would say this: if you really are. Uh, physically unable, if your immune system is suppressed in such a way yeah. where the the least little thing can can cause you major health issues, we completely understand. We love you. We want to be there for you. And you can it, still engage. Yeah, and you can still engage in, in many different ways. Um, and, and your church um, should try to engage with you as well, as long as you're open to that in whatever ways that we can possibly do that. So we want to encourage you in that way. Yeah. Um, if you don't fit into that, and you know, just yesterday, Henderson County Board of Education uh, decided to move away from the mask mandate in schools and made it mask optional. Um, we've heard that that's getting ready to happen in some other areas here locally uh, where, where those mandates are going to go away. And a lot of these restrictions are being changed. The uh, health department in North Carolina has gone away from, uh, they've made a statement now that they're moving away from those restrictions and all that kind of stuff as well here very soon. Um, and so uh, you, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to continue to use that right. as an excuse um, as time goes on, as the numbers drop and everything else as well. So I would just echo that, that consistency part because yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. All right. Let's get to this final piece and <clears throat> hopefully we can do this in a, in a brief matter of time. But, hmm. um, so the excuses of why I'm not going to church, right? We just laid those out there and hopefully knocked those down. But for those who are out there in, potentially looking for a church, um, what what would you say are some keys to finding a solid church? Like it, what, what should be some things that people are looking for to find a solid church? Go ahead, Ben. I know you're waiting. <laughs> um, the non-marks. I think, I, I mean, honestly, I am a non-marks fan because I think it kind of gives you the language to use. And I mean, it's nonmarks.org, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and I and I wouldn't agree with them on a hundred percent of everything, but I think it's a pretty good place to start. Right. Um I think the the number one thing that you need to look for in a church is preaching, I think. Um specifically you need to find a church where uh the pastor is reading the Bible 
and explaining what the Bible means, um, and, and not not explaining uh, what he, what he thinks the Bible means, but what is it actually saying? And so you should be able to listen to a sermon and not hear, you know, we're going to do a series on you know four steps to being a better dad, and I've got four Bible verses that I pulled out from all over the Bible that explain what I think it means to be a great dad. They need to be reading a text of the Bible and saying, okay, here's here's the words that the Holy Spirit used when he inspired this book. Why did he use these words? What do they mean? How do we understand this? How did the people who, who this was originally written to understand what we're talking about? And so I think that that in and of itself, expositional preaching is what we would call that, will tell you a lot about the leadership of the church and the direction of the church. So I would say you know, you maybe, maybe you're not going to get, you know, your top 10 of everything you want in a church, but if the word is actually being preached there, it's a really good start. Um, so you might say, well, I don't really like the music or I don't like the children's ministry. I don't like whatever is the Bible being preached. And, and again, you would think that you would think that that would be an assumed thing. Like we were talking about greeting people. I've had so many people, I've had people tell me, that are members of my church. I visited a church and they didn't open a Bible the entire service. No one opened a Bible. Nobody read a Bible verse the entire service. Or they read a Bible verse and then they go on for 20 minutes with their TED Talk and don't even reference the the text or anything. And they'll say, well, I went to your church and you just read the Bible and started talking about what it was saying, even to the people who were hearing it. And there's some application there, but the application is, you got to understand what it's saying first and then understand how it's applied. So I, I would say preaching is a big one. I would say uh, if you can get regenerate church membership, that's a huge one. Uh, if you're in a church where the pastor knows everybody on the roll, all the people on the roll, as far as you can tell, had to give a testimony or have some kind of evidence and they're practicing church discipline, um, that is going to be a sign of a really healthy church in general. Of course, that's not perfect either. That's going to tell you a whole lot of, I'm actually going to be in a church with Christians and I would expect Christians to behave differently. And for pastors who are shepherding sheep and not goats to behave differently, that's going to set the culture. Now, the reality is nine times out of 10, you're not going to find that in, in this part of the world. Uh, but you could at least find a pastor. That would be a conversation I would have. I would sit down with a pastor of a church I was looking at and say, you know, I understand the church, maybe you're in revitalization or something like that, but where are you at? What direction are you wanting the church to go in? What kind of things are important to you? I would be asking about that kind of stuff. So I think preaching is a big one. I think uh, church membership, the way they view that, how seriously do they take that, I think um, is a really is a really big one. That, for me, that would probably be in my top two. I mean, if if, if you were to come to our church uh, or we ask people, you know, what was it that brought you to the church or what made you want to join the church or whatever. And the top two that we get is, is you guys preach the Bible here, which is really important to me. And you take membership seriously. Mm. That that's the two biggest ones. And so over any kind of preferences or, or different things, like there's, there's a lot of different things that I would prefer or not prefer. But if I was moving out of state or something like that and looking for a church, those would be the top two. If I, if I listen to your sermon and I'm, and I'm listening for 10 minutes and you hadn't cracked a Bible open, it's not going to be for me. I talked about the Bell Beef for Sunday. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, Seafood salad. Dude. I, I would ho- wholeheartedly agree with what you just said. And I'm going to go back on that preaching thing just a little bit. 
and, and I'm going to speak directly to anybody who may be watching this. If you're a part of a church and, and the pastor's not cracking open the Bible first, run. King James. You, you, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> Fell from heaven. Michael Pittman, maybe. Michael but, Pittman. But if, if they're not cracking open a Bible uh, or, 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 you know, reading the Scripture, explaining the Scripture, absolutely. But here's something I, I want to ask you to ask yourself at the end of a service, a worship service on any given Sunday, Wednesday, whenever it is that your pastor is preaching or teaching. When you leave there, what did he say? First question that you need to ask yourself, what did I get out of this message? And here's some things to look out for. Uh, and to run from. If you leave a, a Sunday morning worship service and the only thing you can think about was a story that your pastor told preach, or a joke that your pastor shared and how funny he is or, you know, whatever it is, if those are the types of things that you're getting from it, um, your pastor is not preaching the word. I'm sorry, he's not. I'm not saying you can't include stories. I'm not saying you can't tell the occasional joke. I Sometimes I happen to tell a joke even when I didn't even intend to. Uh, people, maybe they're just laughing at me. I don't know. But um, I, I do those things unintentionally sometimes, and I do share some stories. But when you leave, what is the Bible saying to you? What is God saying to you through his word? Um, I, I had somebody, they, they went to a service, um, they listened to this guy and they said he basically just kind of ran back and forth across the stage and, and said a bunch of stuff, you know, like, bless God, hallelujah, praise the Lord, you know, all that kind of stuff, and, and some intermittent words in between. And they kept thinking, wow, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. We, we felt good when we left. But somebody challenged them to ask the question when they left the worship service, what did he say from God's word? So he looked at his wife, and he asked her, what did you get out of the message? She was stumped, didn't have a thing to say. Well, she asked Ray, the same question to the him. The Holy Ghost was moving so much, we didn't even have preaching Sunday. R yeah, I've heard, that to too. I've heard that too. Uh, well, the wife turned around and asked the husband, and it was the same exact thing. They ended up leaving that church because they had a pastor who was not preaching God's Word. Um, and so... You need to make sure if you're going to hit the website, which they say the majority of people are if they're looking for a church, if you hit the website and you can find a, a, a message online, listen for God's word being proclaimed. They read it, and then they don't just abandon it and go off on some kind of little tangent that they just wanted to preach about and just say that they read the verse. No, they read the verses, and then they went back in and explained the verses, what they said, what they meant then and what they mean now to you uh, when you leave. So be very careful. Preaching, definitely regenerate church membership is, is extremely important. And then I would add one more, and, and that is, are they a family? And what I mean by that is, do they genuinely care for one another? Do they genuinely seem to enjoy being around one another? And are they together outside of regular mm -hmm. times of worship or gathering? That's good. Do, do they invite people to their homes? Are they cooking out together? Are they eating out after church on Sunday? Whatever it is, um, are, are you having times of fellowship, even as a church body together, where you're having a meal on a Wednesday night or maybe after church on a Sunday 
and, and nobody's rushing out. I mean, you're literally going and you're hanging out together, you're talking, you're getting to know one another. And so if, if it's a true family, preaching, regenerate church membership, and it's a true family, then you might want to hang on because that's the type of place that you need to be part of. And I, I would just add quickly, like I said, talk, talking with the pastor of the church, one of the best things you can do if you if you listen to this and you are looking for a church is when you find that church that doesn't check all the boxes. Yeah. If you can find a man in leadership, if you can find a pastor who does have a biblical vision for the church, mm-hmm. just, just hitch that guy's wagon and get yeah. on board with him. I know so many guys that love the Lord. They want the church to be biblical and healthy, but they don't have a lot of advocates in the church. Right. And they need people to join their church, become a member, get the power to vote, and start voting on biblical stuff and backing that pastor up. Because once you're a member of a Baptist church, you're the same as the member that's been there for 400 years. You get a vote like everybody else. And I think um, one of the best things that you can do is find a church that maybe it, maybe it's not the perfect church but you believe that the pastor is a godly man and he's preaching the word and it would bless him for you to tell him, Hey, you know what? Uh, I've seen this happen with families. I've had that conversation with families here when I first came and we didn't have a lot of families. Hey, I know you want to be in a church that has a lot of families, but guess what? We're never going to get them if we don't have some people that just jump in and are, are willing to just suck it up for a while and get on board. And we had some people that did that, that have stuck with us, and God's blessed yep. that decision to where now we are more like the church that they wanted it to be mm-hmm. like. But they helped make it that way. And so if you're looking for a church and, and you find one in your area, and I would encourage you to find one close to your house so that you can have that family experience. Mm-hmm. Don't be driving... 45 minutes in an hour if you right. if you don't have to um, to find a good biblical church and then get on board with that guy and just say hey how can I get in here and serve and use my gifts like Adam was saying how can I um, how can I be uh, given to the work here um, uh, pastor what, what do you have coming up in the next meeting and how can I be on board and be an advocate uh, for us moving in a more biblical direction that will that will bless a pastor yeah. to have people come we have a a, a new family that's coming that that will probably be joining an older missionary couple. We sat down and had lunch with them and they said, uh, tell us about your small groups. How can we get in a small group? And the question they said to me just blew my mind. They said, which group do you need us in the most? Mm. That was their question. Wow. That's a different. So it wasn't what's closest to my house or which which one has the same age that I'm in. Yeah. It's, which group do you need us in the most as right. a pastor? And I'm like, if every church member asked me that question, <laughs> you know, just imagine how different it would be. So be that person yeah. to go to that pastor and just say, hey, listen, I just want to be used by God here. I want the church to be biblical and healthy. What can I do to 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 uh, get on get on the bandwagon with you and and see the Lord do a work in this church? I've had on what you just said. I've had most of our young families that have joined. It's exactly the situation. How can I help? What can I do? And they've jumped straight in. Um, I remember early on, had a family from the community actually come to the church, and he was like, man, I want to help you. I was like, what? Like, And so it was amazing. Uh, My dad chimed in. He said, what makes a good church is their food. Uh, It does does matter. (laughs) Let me say, it does matter. And I will say this, um, and I've told, I don't know how many pastors this, man, that Eating together has changed the culture at our church. Yeah. Not even, I mean, we eat all the time. That's a joke. Like we literally, we eat on Wednesday nights. Every Wednesday night we eat. On the first and third Sunday we eat. 
And then on the Sundays we don't eat at church, everybody goes out to eat. That's yeah. the main reason we went first and third because everybody was going out. We're like, let's just make this easy. So uh, eating together has been huge. But I, I want to mm-hmm. add something to what you guys said. And this was something Derek brought this topic up. I'm, and we kind of are stealing it from him. But um, Derek brought this up. And so I began to think about it. And to me, if I go into a church um, and this, what you guys said was true, but I think this is the outworking of it is if you go into church and this is what you see is it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such against such things, there is no law. If that is present within a church, God's words being preached, the spirits there, it, it is. It, so if you go into church, there's no love, there's no joy, there's fighting, there's strife, there's tension. You feel it. I would get out of there. I mean, and and I know like that's crazy for me to say considering where our church was, but you know there wasn't that then. There was so much tension you could cut it with a knife. So anybody that come in our church could feel it. Um, but that's what I would look for. I would truly look for that because that's the outworkings of God in the church. And if those things aren't there, then I would run to the hills or find another church that has those things. And um, cause like you guys said, I mean, those, those things you, you mentioned are, are vital, but if those fruits of the spirit aren't there, the spirit's not there. Yeah. And um, I think mm-hmm. that that's something that you have to be on the lookout yeah. for. So another thing you can do as well is reach out to people that you trust. Um, I've got people that will randomly just send me a message and say, hey, I'm getting ready to move. Um, I'm going to this particular area. Do you happen to know somebody? And, and, and I may or may not, but if I don't, I know people I can reach out to. And, and, and I'll reach out to a local association, talk to the, the AMS there, DOM, whatever they're calling it. Um, I'll reach out to those people and I'll say, look, this is what I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking for a true Bible believing, Bible following church. You know, and and give them some some layouts of who this family is, um, and they'll give me recommendations. Uh, sometimes I'll even put it out on Baptist forums and just say, "Hey, anybody know anybody in this area? My son, he's getting ready to move uh, back to North Carolina to Greensboro, and uh, you know, one of the first questions he asked me was, Dad, can you find me a church?'" Uh, I've already found it multiple uh, just because of connections with somebody mm-hmm. or whatever of some Bible believing churches there. And so we don't mind um, you reaching out to us and and just asking us, you know, Hey, do you know anybody or can you help us in this way? Um, Cause you know, if you, if you know a, a real Bible believing pastor who loves the Lord, loves others and all those kinds of things, then why wouldn't you, you know, uh, ask him for his recommendation? Right. You know, why wouldn't you seek that from him or even another just believer in Christ that you trust? Um, make those connections, because many times the best churches that you're going to end up at is from a recommendation from somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. I would just say uh, there's there's since we're talking about resources, there's three networks that I look at if we're going and visiting somewhere and I'm trying to find a, a like-minded church that has expositional preaching and all that. So um, th- uh, the Pillar Network, which is thepillarnetwork.com, mm-hmm. um, our church is in that network. They're all Southern Baptist churches, but they're committed to expositional preaching, complementarianism, that kind of stuff. 
Um, but they have a church church on there. They have, uh, I think, close to 200 churches now in the network, so all over the country and some international. So you can find some there. Uh, ninemarks.org, again, has a church search that you can just put in your zip code or the city that you're going to. It'll pull up churches that are in their network, and uh, usually their websites will tell you a little bit about what the church is about. Um, and then Founders Ministries, founders.org, has a church search also. Um, that you can do. So I usually between those three, I can find something when I'm visiting somebody that at least gives me an idea. And then I can go look at their websites and listen to some preaching and kind of see, see what they're about. But um, for people who might be searching for something, uh, founders, uh, nine marks and uh, pillar network would be kind of the three that I would start with uh, looking at. Yeah. Or just Google reformed Baptist church in the city that you're in. There you go. <laughs> if you want a biblical church, then look elsewhere. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, no, but and I I would just challenge everybody that's watching this, you know, if you if you have made these excuses and you're not engaged in a local body of believers, do it this Sunday. I mean, yes, do it this Sunday. There's four churches represented amongst the horsemen, and and if you're interested in one of our churches, reach out to us. And like we just said, if if you don't live near us, we can help try to guide you. If you can't. Um, but eliminate the excuses because Jesus is worth it. He mm-hmm. died for his church, you know, so you can give up a little bit of your time to engage in the mission that he's called us to within that local body. So do that, eliminate the excuses. And to the the people who are in churches that uh, are in, engage, engage with your church. As we said, you know, people come up and say, how can I serve? How can I do this? How Help your pastor. We need as much help as we can get. Mm-hmm. Um, so ask, you know, how can I help you? And um, we can help, you know, guide you in the right direction. But, man, engaging your local church. Don't just be, as I reference football, don't just be somebody in the stands that cheers, right? Be in the game because that's what God has called us to. So engage in your local church because Jesus died for it. And so uh, do that this Sunday. And uh, all of you who are pastors, man, praying for you guys and uh, love you guys. See you next week. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. 